0: Now Naaman, the captain of the host of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master and honorable, because by him the Lord had given deliverance unto Syria. He was also a mighty man in valor, but he was a leper. And the Syrians had gone out by companies, and they had brought away captive out of the land of Israel a little maid. And she waited on Naaman's wife. And she said unto her mistress, Would to God that my Lord were with the prophet that is in Samaria, for he would recover him of his leprosy. And one went in and told his Lord, saying, Thus and thus said the maid that is of the land of Israel. And the king of Syria said, Go to, go, and I will send a letter unto the king of Israel. And he departed and took with him ten talents of silver, six thousand pieces of gold, and ten changes of raiment. And he brought the letter to the king of Israel, saying, Now when this letter is come unto thee, behold, I have therewith sent Naaman my servant to thee, that thou mayest recover him of his leprosy. And it came to pass when the king of Israel had read the letter that he rent his clothes and said, Am I God to kill and to make alive that this man doth send unto me to recover a man of his leprosy? Wherefore consider, I pray you, and see how he seeketh a quarrel against me. And it was so when Elisha, the man of God, had heard that the king of Israel had rent his clothes, that he sent to the king, saying, Wherefore hast thou rent thy clothes? Let him now come to me, and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman came with his horses and with his chariot and stood at the door of the house of Elisha. And Elisha sent a messenger unto him, saying, Go and wash in Jordan, seven times and thy flesh shall come again to thee and thou shalt be clean but naaman was wroth and he went away and said behold i thought he would surely come out unto me and stand and call upon the name of the lord his god and strike his hand over the place and recover the leper are not a abina and far far rivers of damascus better than all the waters of israel may i not wash in them and be clean So he turned and went away in a rage. His servants came near and spake unto him, and said, My father, if the prophet had bid thee to do some great thing, wouldst thou not have done it? How much rather than when he saith to thee, Wash and be clean. Then went he down and dipped himself seven times in Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God, And his flesh came again, like unto the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. May God bless to our hearts this reading from his word. In the fourth chapter of the Gospel according to Luke, we see our Lord Jesus Christ as he appears in his own country and as it is described for us by Luke in these words. This is after his baptism and his identification with us, after the power of the Holy Spirit has come upon him, after his bout with Satan in the wilderness, and here he comes. Then came Jesus, armed with the power of the Spirit, and he returned to Galilee, and reports about him spread through the whole country. He taught in their synagogues, and all men sang his praises. And so he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. He went to synagogue on the Sabbath day as he regularly did. He stood up to read the lesson and he was handed the scroll of the prophet Isaiah and he opened the scroll and he found the passage which says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. He has sent me to announce good news to the poor, to proclaim release for prisoners and the recovery of sight for the blind to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He rolled up the scroll, he gave it back to the attendant, he sat down and all the eyes in the synagogue were fixed on him. He began to speak. Today, said he, in your very hearing, this text has come true. There was a general stir of admiration They were surprised that words of such grace should fall from his lips. Is not this Joseph's son, they asked. Then Jesus said, no doubt you will quote the proverb to me, physician, heal yourself, and say, we have all heard of your doings at Capernaum. Do the same thing here in your own hometown. I tell you this, he went on. No prophet is recognized in his own country. There were many widows in Israel, you may be sure, in Elijah's time, when for three years and six months the skies never opened and famine lay hard on the whole country. Yet it was to none of those that Elijah was sent, but to a widow of Zarephah in the territory of Sidon. And again, in the days of the prophet Elisha, there were many lepers in Israel, and not one of them was healed, but only Naaman the Syrian. At these words, the whole congregation were infuriated. They leaped up, threw him out of the town, took him to the brow of a hill on which it was built, and meaning to hurl him over from the edge. But he walked straight through them all, and he went away. Now the lesson is this. Our Lord Jesus had come back into his own hometown where he was familiar The people could point down the street to the little carpenter shop where for 30 years he had labored. They could talk about uh, those who had had tables or chairs fixed by him in the days when he was working there. It was hard for them to see him in this unusual role. They knew that he often came to their synagogue, but on this day he came into the synagogue. He sat in the chair that was provided for the teacher the rabbi to speak and they handed to him the scroll of the prophet Isaiah he opened it to the 61st chapter where those marvelous words from Isaiah speak they speak of good news for a broken world they speak of good news for the broken hearted good news for the poor good news for the sick and then Jesus boldly and daringly says to them today is this scripture fulfilled in your very presence for here he is applying to himself the role of god's own son the messiah and there will be vindicated from him signs of vindication will come from him as he goes throughout their land but they would not have him as god's own son Especially when he pointed out to him, to them that God showed his grace wider than they ever realized, wider than their race. God had elected and chosen the, uh, this wonderful people of Israel to be his own. He had given to them the law and the prophets and the psalms. He had spoken to them of how he was going to bless the whole world, and they were unwilling to accept this role. And now Jesus begins to point out to them from their very own scriptures, how the Messiah would be a blessing, not to the Jews only, but indeed to all the world who would turn by saving faith to him. And so he preaches from the 61st chapter of Isaiah that wonderful Evangelical prophet, the words which were emblazoned on the walls of the great Congress on Evangelism in Lausanne this past, uh, last summer. You saw those words. He hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, the recovery of sight to the blind, to set the captives free. Well, He illustrates it by referring back to this homely prophet whose name is Elisha. His work is not nearly so dramatic and bold as that of his distinguished predecessor, Elijah. No, Elisha is a homely type. We see him following his master. We see him healing, though miraculously, a spring of water. We see him perform a miracle in which a simple thing like a lost axe head is recovered. We see him here, in this wonderful story where three people are etched in the bold strokes by the writer upon our imagination and upon our hearts. The sacred historian has a marvelous way of writing, and it's especially beautiful in this King James translation here. Now Naaman, the captain of the hosts of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master. He was the commander-in-chief of the Syrian army, a great general. He was honorable. And because by him the Lord had given deliverance unto Syria, he was also a mighty man of valor. Distinguished acts of courage had been wrought by this remarkable Syrian but all of this is qualified by those dread words but he was a leper now in the Bible to be a leper was a terrible thing for leprosy was such a loathsome horrible disease that those who were smitten by it thought that the very hand of god almighty had in some way rested upon them in jesus own time they were required to ring a bell and to shout to everyone that came near them unclean unclean and here this man who had risen to the rank of commander of all the syrian armies who is held in esteem amongst his people and his king, who has a great villa, who has accrued enormous wealth, and all of that is so much hollow success, for with all of it he is a leper. The dreaded, loathsome disease had fallen upon him. Undoubtedly, he had tried all of the cures that could be wrought by physicians that were in Syria. But none of them availed any cure for Naaman. And then there is told us the story of this little maid. And we see how this simple childlike faith brings such a benediction. She had been captured by one of those marauding bands of Syrians that had overrun the people of God. And the little maid was taken back, and I suppose that the soldiers talked with each other and they thought what a paltry success they had had, they had only captured this one little maid. What would they do with her?" Someone said, oh, let's give the maid to Naaman's wife, it'll be a present. She can be a slave in his household. And the little maid goes to Naaman's household. She could have become bitter and cynical. She could have complained about her lot in life. She could have thought that her faith in the living and the true God was so great that she should not share it with this hated Syrian. But she is a person of large and generous sympathies and heart. And it is so that this little maid hears her mistress speaking of the dreadful plight of her husband how he, with all of his success, is doomed to a horrible death through this hideous disease of leprosy. And the little maid bears testimony to her own faith. She says, oh, I would to God that my Lord would go into Samaria where there is a prophet of God who could heal him. Now let me assure you of this. You will never listen so closely to any word from God about healing until you are truly smitten with pain. Pain that wakes you in the night. Pain that throbs and hurts during the daytime. Pain that never seems to go away. You'll pray. You'll reach your hand out to the television set. You'll wonder why God has done this to you or that to you, and why he has healed others, but he does not heal you. And it must have been so with Naaman, the Syrian. He had been smitten with this loathsome disease that had turned all of his great success into ashes. But he was willing to listen when his wife came to him one day and said, you know, this little maid that we have from Israel... She speaks of a healer, a prophet, of their God. She has so much confidence and faith in him that I wish you would go and see what he would say. So Naaman goes to his king, Ben-Hadad. And he has Ben-Hadad write a letter to the king of Israel. And Ben-Hadad writes in his letter and and says, I have a servant, his name is Naaman, he has leprosy, I am sending him to you so that you will heal him. My, when the king of Israel receives this word and he reads it, I am sending you Naaman, my commander-in-chief, he has leprosy, you are to heal him. He says, look at this, he wants a war with me. Am I God that I can heal this man? Who in the world does he think I am? And he tears his garment, which is always indicative of great distress. And the word gets out to the humble dwelling of Elisha that the king has torn his garment in distress because there is this provocation, he thinks, from the king Ben-Hadad of Syria toward this king over Israel. And so Elisha sends word to the king and said, I've heard how distraught you are. You send word back that this man is to come to me and he will know that there is a prophet of God in Israel. And so there comes this great entourage of horses, this great chariot the wagons containing all of that gold and silver and changes of raiment up to this humble little hovel of a house where elisha lived and i suppose that naaman while he was going over there in his chariot thought well i'm going to really honor this little prophet in, in israel I know that when I come up, probably all of his people will be taken back by all of my soldiers and their uniforms and all of the gold and silver and raiment. And I suppose he'll be trembling when he comes out into my presence. And I guess he'll walk around me three times and and then he will say some words and strike his hand over the place where my leprosy is and I'll be healed. He already had in his mind how this was to take place. But when he comes there to the house, instead of Elisha coming out, one of Elisha, Elisha's servants goes out. And Elisha's servant comes to him and says to Naaman, who is disappointed that Elisha himself is not come, My master says to you to go and, and dip yourself in the Jordan River seven times, and your flesh will come again whole. And the, the King James translation captures the spirit of it all. But Naaman was wroth. That means he was mad. <laughs> Naaman was wroth. He went away and said, Behold, I thought he will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of his Lord, his God, and strike his hand over the place and recover the leper. He is angry. And he turns away in a rage. And then he begins to speak, are not the Bina and Farfar rivers of Damascus with their cool, flowing, crystal-like streams? Aren't they better than all of the rivers in Israel? They're better than that muddy little ditch called the Jordan. And so he goes away in a rage. And this is a lesson to us. Are there any substitutes for the gospel of Jesus Christ? We sung that hymn a moment ago, come thou fount of every blessing. Is he really that? Do we really mean those words, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness? Is that our faith? Or is it somehow outdated? And have we brought some modern substitutes for the gospel? Well, Naaman thought that the rivers of Damascus, especially of Bina and Farfar, were much to be preferred to this river, Jordan. And so he goes away in anger. There are many people today who turn away from the simple faith in God and in his son, Jesus Christ, and in the work which he has wrought on the cross. And they wonder why it is that in their life and in their church, there is so little power. They wonder why it is that so many young people have turned aside because they have not heard some true, sure word from God. Well, be thankful if you have a servant in your house or a friend who can come to you when you're in a rage and wait until your explosive temper has gone away and then speak to you. You know, anger can often get us into a world of trouble. It can spoil not only our own disposition, but it can spoil the happiness and the fellowship of many people that might be around us. Think of that elder brother. Think of the prophet Jonah. Look at their horrible attitude, how much hurt was wrought. You remember that story that Jesus told, how when that son that was so much missed had finally come home to his old gray-haired father, and the father had ran out to, had run out to meet him, and how happy he was to see his lost boy back again, how he had restored him to the household and, had a great celebration in honor of his return. And out in the field, the ugly attitude of that elder brother is seen. He hears music and dancing. He asks of a servant what it is, and he is told that his brother is returned again. And the elder brother flings down his harness, he turns his face away from the house, and he is angry, and he will not go in. Jesus saw this attitude often, and he sees it this day when he had gone into his own hometown synagogue to preach. For when he had told those people that the love of God and the mercy of God would be extended to those who exercised faith in him, no matter if they be of another race, the people become infuriated. They lead him out of the city hoping to cast him down and kill him. I'm sure that on that brow of the hill, a young boy named Jesus had often walked to the hilltop and looked out over the hills and thought about all of the historical things that had happened to the people of God near that land. But here that day, his own hometown will not receive him. One of the sweetest things that I've seen lately was in the attitude Professor Reyes, a member of our faculty, told me of the Cuban church in Miami. How did the Cuban church on hearing that some of the Vietnamese who in an effort to come to a place of freedom had sought refuge in this land and were being spoken ill against by some other people how the Cubans, remembering their own dreadful plight, got together in their church, food and clothing, and contacted the appropriate government authorities to find some Vietnamese pilgrim who had come to this land that they might show to them kindness and love and mercy. And we have in our own presence this, this past weekend to Montreat a lovely lady named Kim. She has come to us from Vietnam with a little boy eight years old and a little girl eight months old. And we need to show her and to her children the love and the fellowship of Jesus and his church. We need to remember that all of us, At one time or another, our ancestors have been pilgrims coming to this land, wanting freedom. And we need to show that mercy and love to those who are in our midst by practical deeds of kindness and mercy, not this hideous, hateful attitude that has crept out in some of the newscasts that we see. Even George Meany rebuked that. Well, here. Naaman is angry and he has happily some servants who reason with him. And they say to him, my master, my father, I know that if he had commanded some great thing of you, if he had told you to get on your hands and knees and crawl all the way up to Mount Hermon and bathe your flesh in the snows of the top of the mountain, you would have done that. If he had told you that he wanted all of your silver and gold and all of these changes of raiment, you would have given it to him. But he didn't want those things he told you he didn't all he asked of you to do was simply to go to the jordan river and there to dip yourself seven times in that river please listen to him and please go so naaman went listening to his servants he dips himself one time into the jordan and he looks at his hand. He's a real Presbyterian. Why did they get me here? Look at this. There's nothing changed about it. I'm just as sick as I ever was. The servant said, one more time, Master. He said seven times. Second time. He dips his hand. Still no change. The third time he did. His hand. No change. Four, five, six. Naaman said, I'm tired of this. I'm gonna go home. They said, but Master, he said seven times. Now you already come this far, please. What do you think I am a Baptist? He, he reaches the seventh time down into the water. He raises up his hand and then he says, Praise God, I'm clean. I can't believe it. He is cleansed. So excited he is that he goes all the way back to Elisha's house to put some money in the collection plate. That's real conversion. And you know, when he gets there, Elisha won't take a penny because you can't buy the grace and favor of God. That was the terrible sin of Gehazi, his servant, who went wandering after Naaman and sought from him a gift. And he took on Naaman's leprosy. But Naaman went home healed, healed completely, made whole again. Now, I told you in the beginning that the disease of leprosy, is always in the scriptures, looked upon as some visitation of God and as a type for sin. And so it is. But there came into the world the very Son of God who heals the leper and who takes away the heart of sin and of stone and changes it from grace. There are people who listen to me this day who are sodden to the eyes in something far worse than leprosy, who are guilty of sin against God, of adultery and fornication and lying and hatred, and every single thing that you can think of, contrary to the commandments and the spirit of what God has taught us. All the money that they could give to the church will not take away their sin. And they'll never know the real, true joy of God. No, not until they obey. Not until they exercise faith in the one who claimed to be the way, the truth, and the life, and yield themselves totally and completely to his lordship. And when they do, a miracle greater than the cure of leprosy will take place. They will be made whole again inside, but first of all, they put away their pride and they come even as a little child. I can remember visiting our mission stations in the Kasai in Africa and seeing there people who were lepers. I can remember going into the north of Thailand, into a leper colony, in seeing people smitten by that dread disease. And I saw in both places servants of Jesus who had come there speaking of the gospel of Christ. Something which made the very chill bumps rise on my arms were the words of a leper who said, I'm glad that I had leprosy. Because if I had not had leprosy, I would not have come to this place And I would never have known about Jesus. Does Jesus Christ mean that much to you? Do you love him that much? It's been almost 30 years ago that I listened one night to a program put on the air by E.I. DuPont, Dina Moore's and Company called the Cavalcade of America back in the days when radio was our only entertainment in the evening. I remember so well hearing a dramatization of the book, They Walk Alone, a radio presentation of it. There was a young man who had been in the Spanish-American War and who had come back a real hero in his community, a graduate of Yale, engaged to be married. And a fire had occurred in a livery stable, and he had gone and helped to extinguish the fire. He was soon to be married. All things seemed to be going in his direction. And that night, as he took a shower, he looked at a burned place on his arm and discovered a white blotch that was insensitive. It was numb, and it was dead. He thought it was strange, so he went to a distinguished physician, who was also a friend of his family and... The physician looked at it, and his face turned white. He called another physician to come and look at it. And then the news was broken that he had leprosy. And when he learned that, he left the doctor's office, staggering with his eyes dripping tears. He went to his room, and he wrote a letter to the one to whom he was engaged, and broke off the engagement. And then he made his way out of the city, close to a railroad track and a trestle. He left his vehicle and he made his way down to the riverbank. He had a pistol and he intended to kill himself. What use was life anymore to him? But there was a hobo camp, a number of tramps who hitchhiked on the boxcars of the railway. And he heard the men who had gathered in the firelight of a campfire. He realized that he could not do the deed just at that place because there were people nearby. He heard one voice above all the others speaking and he came close. And there was an old hobo who, because he was always quoting scripture, they nicknamed him Salvation. They heard him saying over, he heard him saying over and over again, What shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? For what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? He heard him say, Whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. Whosoever will keep his life shall lose it. And he thought, I'm going to destroy myself anyway. So, Maybe i better listen to these verses from the Bible. And he put his pistol away. He gave his life to Christ. And his life became a benediction. Though he was the victim of a dread disease, he was able, through his intelligence and ability, to bring help and encouragement to many another leper. Well, this all tells us this. That because of sin, all of us have been blotched by leprosy. But because of the grace of God, we can all be healed. But it requires of us that we submit ourselves in trust, faith, and obedience to Jesus Christ as the one to whom we cling for salvation. My hope is built on nothing less and Jesus' blood and righteousness. O God, our Heavenly Father, we pray that thou wilt help us to take from the scriptures which we have read, both of the Old Testament and the New Testament, a lesson to heart that every last one of us needs a savior, that all of us are smitten by the disease of sin, that pride can keep us from humbly obeying the simple command of the gospel to have faith in thy Son and his atonement for our sins. And so, Father, if there is any person listening or here present who has not yet yielded his or her life to Jesus Christ, by the mercy of the Holy Spirit, enable that one to give as much of himself as he knows to as much of Jesus Christ as he understands, and to grow from this day forward in faith in him. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God our Father and the communion and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, our keeper and our guide, be and abide with you all, both now and forevermore.